Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. Today we have a really special episode. So I don't know if you guys remember a couple weeks ago, a couple episodes ago, I should say, uh, I did the gut protocol thing and I said, I kind of put a message out there uh, looking for co-hosts if anybody was interested. Well, surprisingly, I actually got a lot of emails and people were interested in being a co-host for this podcast, which is kind of surprising to me. You know, I mean, it's not like uh, I'm, I'm reeling in the dough on this thing and it's a lot of work, but I think it was awesome. So um, Daniel Rash, who I am going to introduce here in a second, he's one of those people and he gave me some great topics that he wanted to dive into. So I invited him on and today we're going to talk about lithium and just kind of see how it goes from there. But before we get into that, uh, Daniel, I should say, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Cool. So why don't, uh, before we get into lithium, why don't you tell us a bit about your background? Yeah, man. So um, grew up in Florida, you know, um, got into school, primarily was interested in doing more like pre-med, you know, health has always been a passion of mine. And the deeper I got into it, the more I just psychology just stood out for me. You know, I got super obsessed with psychology and understanding, you know, how the brain works, you know, the different old philosophies and the new philosophies and how all these different theories kind of um, contradict each other or coexist. And I was really like just passionate of getting to behind, um, you know, why we think the way we think and all these different disorders and what may cause them and, you know, the root issue of these different things. So as I got deeper into my studies, you know, I just really started looking at psychology from a natural perspective and um, going through my own uh, health journey, whether it be um, experiencing a little bit of um, anxiety and stress, you know, brain fog, the kind of stereotypical stuff that college students experience when they're, you know, at the library all night chugging down coffees and X, Y, Z. So um, that kind of led into, you know, trying things for myself, you know, doing research and looking up prominent different um, people within this, um, this area like William Walsh that really looked into nutrients and their effect on um, neuropsychology and um, looking at neuropharmacology and the difference between the compounds and whether we can get them naturally, what's the difference between the pharmaceutical medications, and just what can we do lifestyle-wise to change the way our brain functions. So, so you, yeah, were, kind of, you were kind of having a lot of anxiety is what you're saying, and, and you were looking into uh, natural and pharmaceutical ways to kind of deal with that? Is it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of, so once I got to college I you know, I, I got into the, a little bit into the party scene and just pulling all nighters and stuff like that. And, um, drinking just way too much coffee and alcohol and, um, started getting like panic attacks. And I was just like weird, weird panic attacks were like really out of the blue. You know, you felt like your heart was about to explode. And I was like, man, either I'm going nuts or uh, something's wrong with me. So I like, I searched through the forums, you know, I went through the whole ringer of yeah. like when a psychologist and the whole thing, um, tried to put me on benzos, you know, I wasn't really too excited about that, because I kind of did my own research. And I was like, eh, this seems a little invasive, maybe hold off a little bit until things get a little worse. And I may need that. Or um, and just bouncing ideas off people. And I was like, man, this is a pretty predominant thing. Like, I thought that I was like one of the only people that were experiencing this, but so many of my other friends had experienced panic attacks and anxiety or depression or any kind of other mood issues, uh, mood disorders. And it, it just kind of baffled me because no one really talks about it, you know? Yeah. And so what are you doing right now in the natural field? 
So right now I am doing um, health coaching and just doing my own independent research. Um, I have worked in a couple different either natural health centers. I've also did a couple um, a year or two in the medical marijuana industry over in Florida. So just kind of bouncing around, just kind of exploring different health paths and health journeys. But um, right now I'm just doing coaching and just working on myself and, and my loved ones during this time. So that's cool. Yeah, I remember you were in a, a natural clinic or whatever where they give, you know, IVs and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I got um so it was a local spot. I actually went there for myself just to kind of check it out and see what they're doing. She does a lot of um the lady that runs it over in um in Lakeland, Florida, she um she actually has like so she's a, a doctor. I believe she hasn't taken her her boards yet, but she's like an established doctor and then she also did um a PhD in neuropharmacology. So she also works as a pharmacist. She's a, she's a licensed pharmacist as well. So hmm. she had both those ideas, um, those sides where she was seeing psych patients as well as, um, you know, in the natural health center. So like that naturally drew me in and she had a couple different, um, you know, services like, um, have you heard of like neurofeedback? Uh, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Neurofeedback, um, is essentially, there's a couple different ways of doing it. You know, there's some where they, they strap on a huge like brain map and it's basically like a, um, ECG where it, it measures your, um, brain electrical activity, brain okay. electrical activity. And then from there it plays, you play like basically like, a like glorified video games that you kind of control with your, with your mind. It's, it's super freaky. It's like total matrix type stuff. But, um, as you kind of do it, it trains different areas of your brain. Um, so that's like the more, I don't want to say evasive, but it, it can potentially be more evasive because it's, it starts to, um, you're, you're, you're kind of in, uh, putting in electrical stimuli into your, to the, to the brain. Hmm. And then there's another one where it's more, um, you are listening to like almost like a meditation yoga music. And then as the music is playing, you, you have these clips attached to your ear and um, the top of the uh, of the head, and then based on your your brain waves, your brainwave patterns, whenever one kind of becomes too predominant, for example, like if your beta waves, which are like your really fast um, brain activity, you know, kind of like what we're using predominantly right now, if it gets too excessive, there'll be like a mini pause in the audio, hmm. which is like a a way of kind of telling your your subconscious or your brain, hey, let's not go there, let's kind of bring it back. So anytime you kind of either you're, you're fixating on something or you're having like an anxious thought or, you know, maybe I'm a little uncomfortable, you know, I want, I want to get out of here. Or you're like, how long has this thing taken? I've been here for over 30 minutes. You know, it'll kind of like do this little, uh, little pause in the sound to kind of like bring you back. So a lot of, they, they, it was popularized with epilepsy and seizure primarily, but then people started seeing tremendous results for anxiety and depression and all these PTSD and stuff like that. So. Wow. It's been a, yeah, it's pretty, pretty popular within the psychology department. It's still a little quacky to like mainstream <laughs> media, but uh, it's, it's getting there. That's cool. That's cool. So I, I think that's a good, uh, that's a good transition into our topic, which is lithium. Um, so you wrote up a big long paper about lithium with a lot of interesting uh, stories and facts, but I thought maybe we could start with like your personal experience with lithium and just just to kind of set this the stage of of why it's important to you um and and we're talking about it does that work yeah yeah for sure so i stumbled upon lithium 
um, lithium orotate specifically, not the um, yeah. We the should pharmaceutical. Yeah, <laughs> we should make that specification. I'm not hiring crazy yeah, people. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So, so just to start off, you know, while I have a bachelor's in psychology, I am nowhere near a medical professional at all. This isn't medical advice at at all. You know, always seek advice from your physician first. Um, but so I'm talking primarily about lithium orotate. So just a little backstory on lithium, just to kind of, um, inform the, uh, the audience first before I kind of talk about my experience. Um, so lithium in of itself is just a natural element, uh, minerals essentially that's, um, that's found in primarily ocean water. Um, and with this mineral, it has many different neuro like pharmacological effects. Um, it has many different effects on the brain. So when it's paired with different um, salts or different amino acids, it has different effects and absorbability across the, the blood-brain barrier, which is essentially like the, the wall to the brain. So with orotate, it's an amino acid that allows you to take very small amounts of lithium, like micro, micro doses, and it crosses the blood-brain barrier, giving that neuropsychological effect where you're feeling it actually when you take it. Um, in comparison to something like lithium carbonate, which is the pharmaceutical version of lithium, which is like mega, mega doses that has potentially serious side of effects, but it, it has been shown to be very positive for different um, neurological issues. Yeah. So you're not taking the, the pharm- pharmaceutical one. No. <laughs> no. All right. So, so what uh, you, you started taking this lithium orotate. How did you, how did that come about? Yeah. So, so looking into different things that improved mood and stress and anxiety and, um, you know, something that kind of people call like, uh, like smart drugs, but in a more natural state, um, I came across lithium orotate and getting more into the research, you know, I was, I was just seeing a lot of really positive stuff on lithium orotate, you know, creation of new brain cells, um, you know, all these different effects where it was improving the different pathways in the brain, um, alertness, concentration, all this great stuff. Yep, we can get and, to that. Yeah, so so I gave it a shot. It seemed like it was very subtle at first. And then as, the, as I continued to take it more and more for a longer period of time, I started to notice the effects kind of creep up a little bit. And I started noticing, hey, you know, I'm feeling a lot less anxious recently. I've been feeling a lot less stressed. I'm being able to focus a little bit more, have a better concentration and attention. Um, and it just seemed like a really good thing to continue to keep taking. And after I talked to a couple of different people, they were like, yeah, this, this is really, really um, effective for a lot of mood issues. And even people with, with serious bipolar disorder were saying that when they were taking big amounts of lithium orotate, they were able to actually stabilize their mood, which is pretty incredible. Wow. So you started taking this lithium. I mean, what did you notice from when you started taking it? You know, what, what kind of happened to you? Yeah. So it's not something that you take and then like 30 minutes, or at least not for me, 30 minutes after you're like, I feel like, a, you know, God or like the limitless pill or anything like that, where you're cleaning up the house or anything like that. <laughs> um, but it was something that over a couple weeks, I think it was about the three week mark. I just noticed that I was a lot less stressed out. And I was able to kind of take on more work and focus more. Okay. So it was, it was something that the more you take it, the more it becomes observable, the effects. So they are a little bit subtle. And 
mind you, it, it's something that we we take in naturally through our food and our water. Hmm. So when you are still, it's still a micro dose, but it's it's you're like essentially like doubling or tripling your dose. So it's still subtle, but it it has a cumulative effect the longer you take it. Gotcha. All right. Well, let's let's jump into you know the history of lithium and and how it's been used. Yeah. So with lithium, um, especially with lithium carbonate, like the prescription lithium, you know, if you do a quick Google search, you're going to see it's primarily used for mood stabilization, um, primarily bipolar disorder, but then they also prescribe it for multiple other stuff. Hmm. Um, so when I was searching it up to prepare for this, you know, I was, I kept seeing all the stuff that I really didn't even know, like they were prescribing it for migraines, for seizures, um, also for depression, even for schizophrenia, which I thought was nuts. Cause I'm like, these are completely different, um, mechanisms in the brain yet they're prescribing the same compound for all these things, you know, right? Interesting. Like it just, it just sounded weird. So that kind of led me into kind of deep diving into like the history of, of lithium and, you know, why, like what did they first use it for and then how that kind of evolved from there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So from like early, early psychiatry, they were um, primarily like all the way, even, even back to like the Greeks and Romans, you know, people have been dealing with, with mental illness. And while like the farther you go back, the more barbaric it gets where, you know, like they're literally screwing holes in people's heads and <laughs> releasing spirits and all this crazy, crazy stuff, you know, there, there, people were still suffering you know, nonetheless. So real, like uh, scientists were trying to figure out, you know, what the heck is going on? You know, why are people feeling the way they're feeling? Um, and one of the first technical this, uh, like mental illnesses that were like talked about was, was mania. So this idea of, of going kind of crazy and like really excited and really intense. Um, and this term actually has been translated into Latin as insania, which is pretty crazy. It's like all these different terms, you know, we still use and you can kind of see the history of, of the terminology, you know? Yeah, that is interesting. Um, but yeah, so at, at first it was mainly they were using mania as a way to describe like rage and unrelenting desire and like madness, just really, really intense energy followed by this complete opposite called like melancholy, you know, the depression, the sadness. Um, and that is what we know as of nowadays as bipolar disorder. Um, so with this, this varying degree of, of mood dis disorders, people were, we're trying different things, you know, they were seeing whether it was spiritual or this or this or that, but, um, people started take going to, to these little falls and springs that were really rich in lithium. And, um, they were actually calling them crazy waters and people were starting to see like, um, good effects from, from diving into these springs and drinking this, this alkaline lithium rich water. Um, and that's kind of where it, kind of cascaded into people figuring out, oh, hey, what's what's going on with this water? You know what I'm saying? Why are people like coming from all parts of the, the country to, to, to jump and bathe in this stuff? Yeah, that that is really interesting how they figured things out in the past. Like we talked about uh, mm -hmm. lumbrokinase. It was a while ago, but the Chinese medical doctors figured out that lumbrokinase could help with circulation because they looked at worms and they would burrow through the ground and make like new, you know, tunnels. And they thought, well, mm -hmm. maybe if you take worm extract, it will burrow through you and make new ways of energy moving. It's just, it's just nuts how they figured things out sometimes. It is nuts. It is. I mean, and that's, 
everywhere. Like even in these indigenous cultures where like, I don't like, it's crazy to think that people are talking to trees and getting knowledge, but <laughs> maybe there's something <laughs> to it. Cause I mean, the idea that some tribe, some indigenous tribe said, Hey, this tree looks cool. Let's, let's mix this into that tree. And then somehow one tree naturally contains dimethyltryptamine, DMT, one of the strongest psychedelic uh, drugs known to man with another plant that's an MAOA inhibitor that will actually activate it so you can take it orally because if you didn't have that other plant, it wouldn't even activate. I mean, that's insanity. Yeah, you're, ta- you know? you're talking and, about the, the ayahuasca or whatever? Yeah, yeah. It's like the, the, the intuitive knowledge that they have to mix these plants is just remarkable. So it's like there, there may be something to, you know, just chilling out in nature and uh, talking to the plants and see what kind of answers you get. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right. Um, so, yeah. So with this whole lithium thing, you know, it just kind of exploded. Um, and it, I'm just getting crazy facts from like checking this stuff out. I mean, they were they found that like it's theorized that lithium was actually one of the um, I think one of the three major compounds that was responsible for the big bang which is nuts Hmm. um they even had it in seven up you know (laughs) yeah most most people don't know that i think but seven up at one time had a decent dose of lithium so you would take it and it would relax you and and calm you down yep yep everyone knows about the the coca leaf and and coke but uh not so much about the seven up yeah definitely (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so then um it just became more and more popularized until physicians actually started playing with the lithium salts and um i think it was his name was john cade uh in like the 1950s actually started um using lithium citrate i believe and lithium carbonate for his patients and seeing a couple of his patients that were like dealing with severe severe bipolar and mania and depression like actually be able to leave the mental institutions that they were there for like multiple multiple years so that in of itself was just insane and people heard about that and then worldwide approval of lithium was established in 1970s for having therapeutic effects on mental health so from there it just kind of exploded and then there's just been so much research being done on the effects of lithium since then gotcha so what is i mean it's kind of obvious that lithium has this use for stabilizing your mood or whatever but what what does it actually do in your brain when you when you look into lithium there is um a lot of people that say that the mechanisms are unknown. Um, However, when you look into the research, there is a lot of stuff that is agreed upon. So lithium really acts on protecting the brain. So protecting the brain cells, their integrity of the cells, um, especially in cases of overexcitation. So whenever people are experiencing seizures or epilepsy or like overexcitability, uh, which can manifest in so many different ways, you know, anxiety, mania, schizophrenia, it protects the brain cells from essentially destruction or what's called apoptosis, which is cellular death. Mm-hmm. So it, it keeps the integrity of the brain cells. Um, and then through another mechanism, um, which is called BDNF, brain-derived neutrophic factor, it promotes the growth of new brain cells. Um, and this is more of the kind of like smart drug benefits that people experience from lithium or where they're experiencing, you know, better memory, less anxiety, more focus and attention and so on. Um, and then just multiple other stuff like different neuroprotective proteins, preserving 
cellular, uh, cellular brain health and preventing against Alzheimer's and dementia and stuff like that. Um, yeah. What, and then also, go ahead. One thing I was going to say is I, I don't know if, I think a lot of people who are listening probably just think of lithium as a drug for people who are bipolar. Right. And they don't get that it's actually a trace mineral that everybody gets, you know, in their water and their food to a certain extent. Some people a lot more, some people a lot less. Um, so what is what is really the difference there, I guess, before we move on between, you know, it as being a drug for somebody who's bipolar and somebody who's taking it like you in these smaller amounts? So I would say the main difference is, is obviously going to be the dose um, and the salt or like compound that's attached to the lithium um you know okay so like lithium being attached to orate is going to have a major difference because it's going to cross the blood brain barrier easier allowing for a micro 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 dose which is going to be a lot safer whereas with carbonate for example it requires a bigger 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 dose um i, I believe i can be completely wrong on the milligrams but i think it's like 300 to 500 milligrams of lithium carbonate versus like five micrograms of lithium orotate. Um, so it's just a huge, huge difference in dosage. Yeah, I think it's five milligrams. It's not micrograms. Okay, yeah. I, that would make more sense because I was... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. Sorry to interrupt, you know, wherever... No, you're good. Yeah, wherever yep, you were. And, yeah, and with, with just one thing on to touch on that, with the major differences in dosages, you know, that's obviously going to result in major differences in side effects. So since lithium orotate is a smaller dose, there's less potential for side effects. Hmm. Whereas with lithium carbonate, the bigger doses you need to take, the more precautions you need to take. So most physicians that are um, prescribing lithium or um, carbonate, they're going to monitor liver health, kidney health, um, you know, cardiovascular function, stuff like that, because it, it can potentially have negative effects on the liver and kidneys. Okay, gotcha. But yeah, and then there was, um, there was a couple of really cool studies um, circling back to lithium found in natural sources that the, the countries that had very, like little to no lithium in their drinking water had like significantly higher instances of suicide, homicide, and even rape. So <laughs> it's, it's crazy how something that's such a micro dose in our water and our food can have such a severe impact on like, uh, society and like, uh, different instances is major assaults. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So just kind of going from there, um, do you want me to dive in? a little bit more deeper to like the, the neurotransmitters and the stuff like that or. Yeah. You could, you could go into the neurotransmitters. That'd be interesting. Cause, okay. cause you have cool. this, you have this neurotransmitter theory, right? About how kind of lithium works. Yeah. So when looking at different, um, compounds, like compounds that affect the brain. Yeah. Especially when it comes to depression, you know, um, there's this like huge idea that serotonin equals happiness. Um, and I, I believe you come from the, the Ray Pete um, background where that it's kind of like not, <laughs> not accepted at all. We're like, yeah, we, happy, yeah. we had an episode on serotonin, I think maybe 20 episodes ago or something like that. And um, me and Brian did it. And it, yeah, I, I presented the, the kind of Ray Pete view that mm -hmm. serotonin isn't really about happiness. It's more about apathy. 
Right. You know, right. it's more about numbing you. And so exactly. if you're in a lot of pain, then that does kind of feel like happiness, you know, but it's not really happiness. Exactly. Yeah. And if you see people that are on like super, super high doses of like serotonin, serotonin drugs, you know, they have that kind of like apathetic, almost like zombie like um, feel to, you know, where they're just kind of, they're not depressed, but they're not vital. You know what I'm saying? They lack that vitality. Yeah. Um, so, so when looking into these kind of different drugs, there is that theory, you know, serotonin equals happiness. And when you look into, uh, to lithium, you'll kind of see that a lot of research talks about how lithium's therapeutic effects is through serotonin and increasing serotonin, giving that more relaxing, happy effect, um, and kind of balancing out the drastic moods of man- mania followed by the complete low of, of depression. Gotcha. Um, but, but going in deeper into it and looking more into specific research, you kind of see a different picture. Um, so with lithium, we'll, we'll focus on serotonin first. With lithium, you'll see acute effects where when you take lithium, specifically lithium carbonate, um, you'll see an increase in serotonin. Um, and they actually, if, if it's prescribed in too high of dosages, it can actually cause uh, serotonin syndrome, which can be almost even a lethal um, disorder or effect sure. from yeah. strong medications. Yeah. Um, but when you look at it long term, you actually see that lithium greatly reduces these um, serotonin receptors in the brain. Um, and the receptors are kind of like the um, the lock where the, the key goes. And once you have less of these locks, there's not really, serotonin is not really able to bind to these receptors leading into less of active serotonin. So, so, so that's interesting. You're saying basically that lithium at first raises serotonin, but then if you take mm-hmm. it a long time, it lowers the receptors. So it, it actually lowers serotonin? Essentially, yeah. With If there's less receptors, it's not really able to kind of get into the place that it needs to go. Um, so that was a major player that I found that was a little contradictory to to what a lot of people attribute to the benefits of, of, um, of lithium. So then going into another major neurotransmitter, um, glutamate. Glutamate's the, the main excitatory neurotransmitter brain. So that's the one that is responsible for our motor functions, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. our excitation of our brain cells. So in good amounts, you know, this is extremely vital for, for everything that we do, you know what I'm saying? But when it comes too much, it's neurotoxic to the brain. So that actually destroys the brain cells. Um, so you know how we were talking about a little earlier how lithium actually protects that overexcitation? Mm-hmm. So yeah, so it's protecting from that glutamine activity. So they found that that people with, um, specifically with mania, since they're too excited, they have way too much glutamate going on. So it's super, super neurotoxic to the brain cells. Okay. So researchers found that with lithium, it has such a stabilizing effect on, on, um, on glutamate that it almost has what they call this like push-pull effect, where it brings it into almost like a Goldilocks um, spot where it's just not too much, not too little, just just the right amount. So that's why it has such a wide effect on so many different symptoms, ranging from schizophrenia, mania, epilepsy, seizures, you know, suicide, etc. So 
that was that was the other key factor that I found uh, when looking into this. Hmm. Okay. So those two combinations are like major, major ideas and implications on why lithium works so great for so many different problems, so many different mood disorders. And then kind of looking at it from there where it's just like, let's try to protect the brain as much as possible from this overexcited excitability and bring it back to a more balanced spot then we'll be able to see really therapeutic effects with these patients. So it sounds like what lithium's really doing is it's kind of normalizing serotonin and then it's kind of lowering glutamate. Is that accurate? Essentially, yes. And then if, if for example, they're in like a super depressive state, arguably that can be a too little of glutamate, which would, it would bring it up, which would have that, that push-pull effect. Wow, that's really interesting, the whole balancing there, that it can bring it up yeah. or, or push it down. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I haven't seen a lot of neurochemicals that can do that, so it's it's pretty cool. Yeah. So I, uh, you want to hear? I, I did a little bit of research into lithium. Yeah. Um. So I I wanted to look at uh, lithium for Alzheimer's disease. Mm-hmm. So this has been talked about for years now. Um. I think there's been some recent posts on the Ray Peep forum and other places online. Um. About Alzheimer's disease, and there's a lot of mice studies, you know, suggesting that low dose lithium can help. Uh. In in models of Alzheimer's disease, mm-hmm. uh, there was actually a really recent study published. I want to say just at the beginning of July. Uh, that really gave a good summary of the findings. So it said, uh, microdoses of lithium carbonate promote memory stabilization in humans and mice. Prolonged treatment almost also reduced neuronal loss and increased the density of the neurotropin BDNF in transgenic mice for Alzheimer's disease. Uh, the study went on to conclude that very low doses of lithium carbonate uh, can play an important role in neuroprotection as it can reduce neuronal loss and neuroinflammation in older individuals. And so this is kind of a variation on what most studies are finding, uh, which is that lithium in different forms seems to stabilize memory loss, uh, lower brain inflammation, and increase BDNF uh, and other just like brain protective chemicals. Mm-hmm. So, after getting some of the research together, I kind of took the next step, which I always take uh, after doing a bunch of research, which is to find anecdotal reports of people using lithium, you know, in dementia or Alzheimer's disease or whatever, and and finding benefits. And this is kind of where I ran into a snag, actually. Um, I searched far and wide on Reddit, uh, Alzheimer's forums, uh, Twitter, even comments on articles talking about lithium and Alzheimer's. Um, I joined the largest Alzheimer's Facebook group and, oh, wow. and looked through older posts and stuff. Nice. I found very few, if any, and I, I mean, maybe I found one report of using low-dose lithium for Alzheimer's disease. Wow. And that report, it didn't even talk about what results they were getting. It was just someone like saying, hey, I'm taking this or something like that. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there are lots of people, you know, posting threads and stuff suggesting that lithium may be beneficial. Um, mm-hmm. But in fact, it's often, you know, it's, it's often the same article almost always posted. It's, you know, lithium orotate stops Alzheimer's and it's tracked. But, but there's very few actual real world, like I use lithium on my grandmother and she's doing great now stories, which doesn't mean they're not out there. You know, maybe, right, maybe, right. maybe I just didn't find yeah. them. <laughs> the point is <laughs> the point is there's articles going back to 2012 talking about lithium orotate stopping alzheimer's disease and 
when I was thinking about this, it kind of leads me to this point I want to make, which is I think one of the most important roles we can play in in just this podcast and and in our other interactions and whatnot is not just bringing new protocols and supplements to people's attention, Mm -hmm. but also pointing out protocols and supplements that are being used for some purpose that they're not great at um Mm -hmm. and so lithium i I don't think lithium falls into this category i I think it is effective for some things i think for alzheimer's it might not be effective but but a good a good example of this is um i got into a facebook argument with this guy uh who was talking about the andrew cutler's mercury protocol have you ever heard of that oh yeah yeah so for people who haven't haven't heard of andrew cutler he was poisoned with mercury like back in the late 80s or 90s uh and he came up with this protocol to chelate the mercury mercury from his system now it worked really well uh for him and all these symptoms he was having went away so i mean it was a success and not only that other people had success with it too i mean they did the protocol and they got got some good results the problem is the protocol is freaking really difficult and tough to stick with it involves you know taking certain supplements every three or four hours for years on end and you can imagine having to set your alarm and wake up every three to four hours i mean it it cannot be a nightmare man (laughs) i ain't doing that (laughs) right it's a lot of work so this guy on Facebook, he was in this mole group and he's talking about how, you know, heavy metals are the real problem and uh, the Cutler protocol was the way to go for all these kinds of ailments. And I made the comment that, you know, the Cutler, pro- Cutler protocol was really marginal at best and it really mm-hmm. didn't show the results that would warrant its difficulty. And because, of the, I mean, the thing is, all protocol, this, this may sound super crazy, but all protocols if they're not nuts and they're based on supplements and getting your body into a natural rhythm, they all have something like a 50% success rate. And I I know that sounds nuts, but just going through the process of discipline involved with altering your diet and taking pills on a certain schedule and sleeping on a certain schedule and just like having the discipline to do that for a few months, it's going to actually solve a lot of people's problems. Whether you put keto in there with mineral hair mineral testing or you know you put andrew cutler's protocol in there whatever it is it's going to kind of have a 50 50 shot of of making things better so if you see a protocol and it has like a 60 percent success rate i mean that looks great but my benchmark is going to be 50 percent which means Mm -hmm. to me that 60 percent is just marginal so you know if i join a facebook group or whatever and half the people are talking about how great some protocol is, and the other half are saying it's not working for them. I like I know right away that that protocol is probably adding very little value. I want mm-hmm. I want to see like seventy five or eighty five percent to really get excited about something, which is why I emphasize things on this show like getting out of an EMF environment or switching to organic foods or you know whatever it is. They have such high success rates, even if their benefits are small, they have su- such high success rates that I know they're doing something good. So just to kind of tie that back with the lithium orotate for Alzheimer's disease, after 10 years of people knowing about lithium orotate for, for that, I, you'd expect to start seeing stories and word of mouth to spread about its benefits, you know? You'd expect, right? <laughs> you would, you would. And there just, there isn't much out there. Yep, yep. But where I do think lithium may be useful is in preventing Alzheimer's yes. from occurring or maybe halting its pro- progression. Um, but as far as a treatment, you know, it just it just seems marginal. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And like you said, 
it's it's totally key to to start with the low hanging fruit. You know, anytime I see a client and they're like taking like thirty different supplements, um, and I you know ask them about their diet and they're eating crap. You know, they're not really sleeping well. They're just freaking cracked down on caffeine all day and like their sleep's all interrupted. You know, that's going to have a major major effect on their quality of life and their health. Yeah, um, and not adding an additional supplement to their thirty plus supplement stack is going to make you know a real noticeable difference yeah so it's it's always getting the essentials right you know talking about like organic food and emf free environment and so forth and then if you want to experiment with a couple different key supplements you know go for it but like you said it's it's going to have different um polarizing effects and any protocol that it's super super gung-ho like you said a lot of people are going to have negative effects i mean I, i've i know at least a couple people like three people that I can name right off that have done the Cutler protocol and experienced terrible effects, <laughs> like way worsening their health. So not to talk crap on Andrew Cutler, but anything like that, that's super invasive and requires waking up three, t- three hours every night. <laughs> you have to have a, a, a high, high benchmark to do that. And so it's like, you have to kind of know you were po- poisoned with mercury or something like that. Like you really have to know that is the basis of your troubles and mm-hmm. the, a lot of people doing it are just kind of saying, well, we're all exposed to mercury and I have these problems and maybe this will help me and stuff. And it just doesn't end up working a lot. Yep. One one good quote that I've heard, um, you've probably heard as well, is like before you start detoxing, you got to start uh, stop intoxing. So just first getting the mercury out of your diet, you know and I'm saying, can play a much better role than trying to actively get it out of your tissues and have it circulating, circulating around your blood so you can feel it. So I, before this is this episode's going a little bit long, but before uh, we kind of sign off, I wanted to talk real quick about the different forms of lithium. We kind of touched on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought I would just mention the three forms uh, that yeah. most people are going to run into. Uh, so, you know, you mentioned lithium carbonate. That's what doctors use for patients with bipolar. That's the prescription kind. Uh, it's got about 19 milligrams of elemental lithium per 100 milligrams of lithium carbonate. Mm-hmm. The problem with lithium carbonate is it raises lithium levels in the blood very slowly and it absorbs very poorly. Mm. So what this means is if you prescribe your patient too much lithium, you kind of have to wait a while as it builds up before you actually know if it's too much lithium. Um, It's almost, I don't know, to use an analogy, it's almost like you're driving a big semi-truck with lots of momentum behind it. And if you get going in the wrong direction or whatever, it can kind of take you a while to turn turn around. Um, So that's, and that's really not the one we're talking about. When when we're telling people like, hey, you could try lithium for Alzheimer's or you could try lithium for anxiety or depression or whatnot. We're not talking about the carbonate. Right. The the one we are talking about is lithium orotate, um, and that's that's what we mostly discuss today. It's a good form. Uh, it's just under four milligrams of elemental lithium per one hundred milligrams of lithium orotate. Now there is a little concern around the erotic acid. <laughs> it sounds like erotic acid, or <laughs> but it's O R O T I C acid. Um, it might be mutagenic. Meaning, I, mm. I read something that it could, you know, be cancer-causing in the long term, but it wasn't. It wasn't really that proven, so it was just kind of like something thrown out there, yeah. like, "Hey, we might be weird about this." So, I, I wouldn't worry too much about it. There's another form of lithium, though, that I've experimented with that I'm personally a fan of, and that is lithium chloride. Mm. Now, lithium chloride, it kind of has a checkered past uh, because in the 1940s and 50s, it was used as a salt substitute. So, so mm. people 
would, you know, want to avoid salt and they'd use lithium chloride and they'd be putting grams of this stuff on their food just like they were oh, using man. salt. I know. Oh, God. <laughs> this is not good. Well, but And that's the thing is, unlike lithium carbonate, which has this slow and poor absorption, and so you need tons of it for it to work, lithium chloride absorbs super quickly and will raise blood levels of lithium oh, very quickly. So, yeah, a bunch of people died using it as a salt <laughs> substitute. Oh, God. Just, so, stick Stick to salt, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, don't don't overdose yourself on lithium. So, why on earth, you know, the question is, why on earth do I like this deadly form of lithium? Well, I like it because it absorbs so well. So, you can actually use much lower doses of it to kind of get your desired effect. So, in a way, it's in some ways safer because it won't build up over time and you can use the lowest possible dose to kind of get the benefits uh, you're, you're looking for. Yeah, there's actually a lithium chloride product on Amazon that starts at like 500 micrograms per dose. Oh, nice. Which is one-tenth the strength of like the lithium orotate. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. so and it's, you know, it's way, way less than lithium carbonate, obviously. So you could try 500 micrograms and if it doesn't work for you, you could up it to one milligram and then you could just kind of keep going to find the spot where you, you know, don't have depression or anxiety or whatnot. Interesting. Yeah, I have to check that out. I think, I think actually, yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, that's the, the natural form that, that um, is found in ocean water, like in brine? Yeah, it's the ionic form. It, it dissolves very right. well in water. And I'll, I'll actually tell you a little story about when I experimented with lithium. And this was, this was many years ago. This was probably like, I don't know, nine years ago or something. I tried orotate and chloride. I didn't like the orotate. It, it made me feel very strange in my head. I don't know why. But the lower dose of the chloride, I, I really felt great on. It, it, it relaxed me. You know, I just, I was like, yeah, I was yeah. like in love with it. At the time, I kind of had this philosophy that, you know, if a little was good, more was oh, definitely yeah, yeah. better. So, so I ramped, I definitely had that philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> so I ramped up the lithium chloride over probably a couple of weeks um, until I was probably taking... I don't know, a couple of teaspoons per day. Uh, and I was, I was very stressed at the time. So I, it really zonked me out and I just loved it. But then my hands started to shake and I, oh, I started man. to get like Parkinson's like syndromes. It freaked me the hell out. I oh, was like, God. Oh no, I, I've messed something up, but it was, it was okay. I mean, the, <laughs> the great thing about the chloride form is it's so easy to absorb. Your body just deals with it way better than carbonate. So I stopped taking it and literally my hands stopped shaking like two days later. So oh, I was fine. That makes that makes sense though. Um, there's this dude, um, I don't know if you've, you've heard of him. His name's Nathan. He's pretty popular on the he writes a lot on the rape form. The he hatch guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wrote a book. Um, yeah. I think it's F, like F portion F control. F portion control. Yeah, yeah exactly. And um, he talks about chloride in specific and how it's like super activating. And like usually for people with like hypothyroidism and like trash metabolism and that can't keep their hormones up, you know, salt's really pivotal and necessary for that. You know what I'm saying? So if you take a lot of salt though, it's like a lot, a lot of chloride and it could be too activating so he actually recommends like this like a uh, concoction you make at home called like sodium acetate i think it's like i think it, they mix like vinegar with a uh, baking soda or something like that i haven't tried it yet but apparently it's a nice way to get a good amount of sodium in without the activating effect wow so that, that's interesting you said that thing about the chloride though yeah one other thing i was looking at was uh one of the studies i was reading had all these case uh, studies of people who tried lithium who had um, both Alzheimer's disease and other mental problems. Mm -hmm. So 
you know, they would have anxiety, depression, insomnia, you know, outbursts of rage and stuff like that. And then they also were developing Alzheimer's when they were given the prescription of lithium. And the, the crazy thing I found in all these case studies was just how many drugs these people were on and how, and oh, how yeah. giving them lithium got them off a bunch of those drugs. So there was this one guy who was 55 years old. He was a male with, uh, let me read this, semantic variant primary progressive aphasia, which which I guess is just a, it's, it's a long way of saying dementia, basically. Yeah. So he was evaluated. He, he had like outbursts of uh, severe agitation, skin picking, uh, frequent elopement attempts, uh, shoplifting. Um, oh, I mean, so this guy's like really... He's he's got yeah. problems. He's got mental problems. So at the time of that, of evaluation, he was being treated by another psychiatrist for all of these things. And this is this is his list of drugs that he was on: donapazil, twenty three milligrams; clonazepam, one milligram. So that's that's uh, Xanax; uh, yeah. duloxetine, sixty milligrams; fluvoxamine, one hundred milligrams. Venlafaxine, 37.5 milligrams. And this is the crazy one. Liz dexamphetamine, 30 milligrams. Oh, that's Vyvanse. This, that's like... That, He's tweaking, man. That's, <laughs> that's medical meth. I mean, no wonder the oh, guy is man. shoplifting and like yeah, having... got like basically like PCP <laughs> in his bloodstream, man. I mean, he's going... No wonder he's picking his skin. I mean, he's got... It's... Anyway, oh, they, the, the moral of the story was they gave him 1,200 milligrams of lithium and his behavioral symptoms resolved and they were able to lower or take him off all of these other medications. Nice, which is just Good which is him. just great. I mean, I think he died like yeah. four years later. But <laughs> well, I mean, if you're on a bunch of antipsychotics, they they right. seriously yeah. lower your lifespan. But but the yeah. thing is, it just shows how powerful lithium is at treating almost any kind of mental health problem. Um, mm-hmm. And it's very low risk to try it. You know, I mean, it's just it's mm-hmm. no big deal at all. I, I so today I add probably an eighth of a teaspoon of lithium chloride water, uh, to my, you know, one liter water bottle. So I'm, I don't know, I'm getting maybe a few milligrams of lithium a week and it's just, it's just so low risk to try. Mm -hmm. And it's probably protecting my brain and stabilizing Mm -hmm. my mood and lowering my anxiety. I mean, it's, it's probably doing a lot of things. So I just, I think it's great if you have an unstable mood or, or high anxiety, you can just, you can just try, try a bit more lithium and see if it helps, you know? Yeah, and even if you don't want to uh, add another supplement to your, you know, your um, your supplement graveyard, you can just add in some more, some more dairy or some more fish. Uh, I think it's also rich in like grains and vegetables, and uh, I think pistachios as well. So I mean, if you up your food dose, I mean, you could reach like a milligram, three milligrams, five milligrams at the highest, and that's that deal right there. Yeah, I think it's in Pellegrino too. It's it's decently high in, oh, yeah. in the fizzy water. I love this fizzy, fizzy one. Yep. All right, man. Well, uh, is there anything else you want to touch on before we sign off? Nah, man. That was fun. Appreciate you having me on here, man. Yeah, dude. Thanks. Thanks for doing the research and giving us a little bit of background on on lithium and stuff. So, uh, thanks everybody for listening. If you want to go to the website www.quackspodcast.com, you can shop through our Amazon banner on the right hand side. Helps us out with uh, you know hosting and all that kind of stuff. And uh, if you guys have any questions, if you want to give us a review or something like that, you can do it on iTunes. You can send us an email at quackspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, everybody, for coming on by.